continuing, we're continuing our message, uh, studying through the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter five this morning. Okay, all right. I wasn't hearing myself in the. Okay, we're good. We're continuing our message series through the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 5. We'll begin reading in John 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. He replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple, and he said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. How is it possible that after 38 years, no one helped him? 38 years of going to this place, 38 years of being an invalid. We're not exactly 100% positive what's wrong with the man, but he has broken to the point that he is going to this place that was perceived to be a place that could be of help to him. And forever, however long he has been going there, there's not been a single person to take a moment to say, here, you go. <laughs> you were here first. Let's get you the help that you need. And so it is, it is pretty poignant to me that Jesus doesn't look past him. That Jesus takes notice of the broken and the hurting. That Jesus takes the moment to say, I am here to help you. Do you want to get well? that Jesus notices the broken and the hurting. And I don't know where this message finds you today, but it gives me hope 
that Jesus is still one who takes notice of the brokenness and the hurting and the suffering, that Jesus knows what's going on and He cares enough to do something about it. I think we need this reminder that we have a Savior who notices the brokenness of our world. And He's not just sitting idly by, but He cares deeply about everything happening in our life. He cares deeply about the brokenness and the injustice, the travesty. And we can know that because Jesus has compassion on someone who's been suffering for 38 years, and He has compassion on those who have been suffering of injustice and brokenness all their lives. Jesus notices And he does something. He cares deeply for this man. He says, do you want to get well? At this point, it's kind of an interesting question. You've been coming here all this time. You haven't been made well yet. Are you sure that you actually haven't just become complacent? And that you don't really have any interest in getting any help? I don't know if Jesus is asking that. Perhaps he is. The man says, yes, I do want to get well. And to me, it's a lot like the story from last week. Just last week when we looked at the woman at the well. And he, he asked her for a drink and, and she says, well, what are you, you know, asking me for a drink for? And, and Jesus turns it on her and he says, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for living water. And Jesus, I see him saying to this man, if you knew who was talking to you right now, you would be asking me to heal you. But he doesn't really have any clue who Jesus is. He's saying, yeah, I'm here. I'm at this pool. I'm ready for the pool to get stirred. I'm ready to go, get, uh, go into it. I'm just waiting for the right moment. And it keeps passing me by. When Jesus is there and Jesus is ready in a moment's notice to heal him of something that has riddled him of pain and suffering for 38 years. And in a flash, Jesus heals him. And he picks up his mat and he walks away. Does this man have faith in Jesus? I would argue at the onset, he doesn't. He doesn't have a clue who he even is. He has to go and find out later who this guy was who helped him. And at first you kind of think, oh, that's interesting and kind of messes with our paradigm, but it's good that this man doesn't have faith. It's good that this guy doesn't have all of the boxes checked. And Jesus heals him anyways. Jesus' power is not limited to the frailty of our faith. Have you doubted? Have you been discouraged? Have you thought for a moment that Jesus can't do what He says He's going to do? Have you been discouraged in your faith? God is not limited by the frailty of our faith and the brokenness of of our faith and the sadness that can overwhelm us. Jesus proves greater than this man's faithlessness. And Jesus is greater than our own faithlessness. Jesus heals him despite his lack of faith. And I think his faith eventually comes in the moment when he says, get up and take your mat and walk. He obeys, he trusts, he gives Jesus authority over his life. But at the onset, he doesn't know who he's even talking with. And Jesus heals him anyways. God's power is not limited by our frailty. It's on display in our brokenness. 
It's on display in God's power to overcome our own limited brokenness. Jesus notices suffering and He does something about it. Jesus notices suffering and He does something about it. I repeat that for my own good. And I hope for your own benefit as well. That as we look with eyes out into a world that is marked with suffering, we would point people to one who notices them and cares for them. That Jesus cares for those who are hurting. The man, he goes away and he tells the Jewish leaders, it was Jesus who told me to get up my mat, pick up my mat and walk. And picking up in verse 5.16, it says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute Him. In His defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day. I too am working. For this reason they tried all the more to kill Him. And not only was He breaking the Sabbath, but He was even calling God His own Father, making Himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees His Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and the Son shows Him all He does. Yes, and He will show Him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to judge because He is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but to Him who sent me. Echoing words just from the chapter before, that the bread that Jesus consumes is the will of God the Father. He is saying, I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. I have come to, to live for the Father and glorify and honor Him in everything I'm doing. The Jewish leaders are upset. They see a man who has been broken and now he's healed. And their question is not a, a moment of celebration, but they question, how did this happen and who told you to get up and start working and picking up your mat? Don't you know that this is the Sabbath? And I wrote this down, and I want to say it the right way. But we must challenge and critique our own religion. 
if we are more preoccupied with the rules that are broken, if we're more occupied with the rules that are being broken, than the suffering that people are enduring. We often look at the world with judgment and we condemn those who are in difficult situations. And we would rather question their life choices that got them there than show them the grace and dignity and love to help lift them out of it. The Jewish leaders look at the situation and their religion is under attack. Under attack by this man who claims to be the son of the father. Under attack by this man who has a blatant disregard for the Sabbath rules. And Jesus' rebuttal to them is to say, I am only doing what I see my father doing. I see him healing. I see him restoring. I see him bringing his kingdom. And this is what I am all about And Jesus is pushing this forward and saying, I am doing what my Father is busy doing right now this day. Lifting up the broken, forgiving sins, healing those who are hurting and far away from God. Jesus is restoring His Father's creation. He's at work. And He wants them to see the goodness of what has happened. They're more preoccupied with the rules that have been broken. Oliver and I started a project yesterday. We're building ourselves a little stool for at the uh, at the counter in the kitchen. And it was a really great day to be with my son, and he wanted to be a part of what I was doing. It's that sort of innocence of what Jesus is saying. I simply be a, want to be a part of what the Father is doing. I want to be a part of His restoring creation, of what He's doing and what He's building and what He's making. And it is this special bond between a son and his father that Jesus is trying to communicate. I am only doing what my dad is doing hand over hand, making this thing happen. And the joy that I have as a father, I can understand a little bit more the picture of what Jesus is trying to communicate to all of us. We sing a song that God's not against us. But God is against sin. God is against suffering. God is against brokenness and injustice. God is against all of these things, and He's doing something about it. And this Scripture reminds us that God is ever-present in the brokenness and suffering of the world, and He notices it, and He wants to heal it and fix it. And the One who is sent to restore and make things new is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. When Jesus... Sees the guy again back there in verse 14. He says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Something worse may happen to you? He's just spent 38 years suffering. What could be worse? What's this something worse may happen to you? Well, I think John gives us the picture of what it is. It's in verse 28. 
He says, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. We live in a world where we have convinced ourselves that all of our problems are because of someone else. And really all of our problems are because there is sin. Because there is evil. Because there is harm. Because there is brokenness. And Jesus is offering a way out. Jesus is offering peace and hope and salvation and eternal life with Him. And He says, this is what it is. There is a resurrection coming and those who have done evil will be condemned. And those who have done good will have life in the kingdom of God. And it says that we have a choice. Will we believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior or will we not? Will we trust and obey in Him or will we disobey? Will we hear the cry of the Father to come back to Him or will we be ignoring Him? Will we listen to God or will we close our ears and close our hearts to a God who has done all that He can to reach out to us? Putting it a little more bluntly, 2020 has been a pretty terrible year. Like, when we go up to draw up a year and how, you know, how you could draw up a bad year, I think maybe we could, you know, murder hornets. That's a new thing. If that wasn't enough, they, you know, we throw in rioting, we throw in burning buildings, we throw in a complete upheaval. There was a man killed unjustly. His name was George Floyd. And we wouldn't know, but Christianity Today actually wrote an article about him. And the article included this important uh, sort of thing about his character and who he was. He was a Christian man. And they called him a person of peace. And what that means to us in little rural Etna Green, Indiana, we, we may not realize it, but in the midst of a city, there's gang activity. And George Floyd was one who was welcomed on both sides. Both sides of the gang violence because he was a man of peace. And he was a gatekeeper. He was one who could bring other Christians into circles to help bring hope to people who feel like they could never get out of gang life. It was said of George Floyd, there is countless numbers of people that have come to Christ because of George Floyd's ministry. And injustice and sin and brokenness and evil felt it fitting to choke him to death. In a world filled with injustice, in a world filled with brokenness and evil, Jesus takes notice, and Jesus heals, and Jesus helps. 
And here's the challenge and burden on my heart. Do I notice? Do I offer help? Do I stand for what is good? Do I stand for what is true? Jesus notices and he stops to help. I can't fix the world. I can't fix what's going on in cities. I can't fix any of the things that are going on. But when I'm walking down the road and I see brokenness, I can be Jesus. And you can too. Because His Spirit that's alive in me, His Spirit is also alive in you. And His Spirit is alive in His church. And His Spirit is alive in every Christian who confesses Him as Lord and Savior. And you can go and be what is good in this world. We don't have to be a part of the brokenness. We don't have to be a part of the sinfulness. We can sin no more and we can become more like Christ and we can be a beacon of light and hope in the world. I don't know how much injustice we're going to see, but when we do, it's good to take notice 38 years a man was passed by. And the Savior took notice of him and he changed his life forever. Will you take notice? Will you pay attention? Will you be Jesus wherever he's called you to be? We can't fix everything, but we can fix our hearts on Jesus. We can fix our eyes on Him. And we can be persons of peace in this world. We stand between one injustice and the next, and we can say there is a way out, and His name is Jesus Christ. I invite you, friends, To simply seek to please the Father as the Son sought to please His Father. Who took notice of the brokenness of the world and all of its suffering and He says, I will do this. I will lay down my life. I will lay down my life to heal a broken world and forgive it its sins. Jesus goes to the cross that we might believe and have life and faith in Him. Will you be a people of peace in a land that so desperately needs to know that there is hope and salvation? Will you notice? And will you instead of questioning their decisions and their motives and all the things that got them in the situation that they're in, would you simply offer them dignity, love, mercy, and forgiveness? Just as Jesus Christ has offered you dignity, mercy, love, and forgiveness in your own life. Go and share the love that God has given you. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And your word is ever true. And I'm sorry if I've over-contextualized what's going on, but there is so much there's so much going on in our world we can't help but notice how important you are. How important you are to all of the suffering and all of the brokenness and the desperate need that the world has. And God, they, they don't know where to look. And so we ask God that our church here would point to you. And that the churches in the cities around the world, that they would point to you. God, that in our workplace, when we finally do get to go work again. God, that in our families and in our gatherings and in all of our life, we would point to you. And God, it is so easy to pass people by and ignore Ignore that they are created in Your image. That they are uniquely and wonderfully made. God, it's easy to question their motives, their decisions, their brokenness, and their sin. It is easy to point fingers. It is easy to doubt. It is easy to be filled with anger and rage and malice. But heal us and deliver us. And let the fruit of Your Spirit within us pour out that we would be patient and kind and gentle and forgiving and gracious to the people in our lives. That this week, God, our eyes would be opened to the hurting and the suffering. God, that we would not question what got them there, but we would point them to You. To a Son who notices them. And God, if that is us, if, that, if that's one of us right now just listening to this and hearing this prayer, may we know that we have life in You. We don't need to stay in sin, but we can turn from it and be healed and have a new life in You. Go with us, God, and we pray for Your help. Be with, be with us. Let your churches shine in the midst of darkness and brokenness. Let your churches shine that people would come and repent and believe in you. God, that it wouldn't be about personalities and dynamic leadership. It wouldn't be about who's in and who's out and what's cool and what isn't. That all of these made up things would fall away and everyone would turn to you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. That it would be about you. We love you. And we thank you that Jesus noticed us and invited us to be a part of his family. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a place in God's family. That's the message this week. It's going to be the message the next hundred weeks.